You're listening to the Well Women Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's cycle health educator. Together, we're normalizing periods, cracking open real body talk, and femme rising the future. I'm here to remind you that your body is amazing. You can achieve balance, and body confidence all begins with your menstrual cycle. Get ready, beautiful. You're about to learn how to confidently reconnect with your body and discover your unique flow. You're listening to episode 105 of the Well Women podcast. This episode is all about PCOS and rewriting the aging process. Now, you've probably, if you've been a listener for a while, you would have known that I I personally have had PCOS and been through my own PCOS healing journey. And there are other episodes of the podcast where I do talk about this. But today I'm joined by a friend and we are chatting all things PCOS and rewriting that aging process. We do this by covering topics around how did you find out that you had PCOS? We talk about PCOS and the overall effect of our health with PCOS. What impacts the speed of our aging process? Because who doesn't want to age backwards, right? The underlying factors of PCOS, the importance of hormone balance, what to do for better hormone balance and better hormone health, and not to mention how we can reverse aging and tips to keep your younger self from aging. Throughout the episode, I share a bunch of little golden nuggets of my own journey along with our guest's journey. And I know you'll be able to relate with this one with all the different stories that we're sharing. So sit back and enjoy. This episode is brought to you by my Vedic Woman's Masterclass. Do you like Ayurveda? Interested in the Ayurvedic way and how to live as an Ayurvedic woman or bring in ancestral traditions? This masterclass was designed to bliss your heart out, activate your body, and awaken ancestral traditions. Throughout this two-hour live masterclass, you'll learn the fundamentals of Ayurveda through doshas, Ayurvedic elements, and the qualities to bring your body back into harmony. These teachings also weave in women's health awareness through hormones, menstrual cycle, emotions, and Ayurvedic psychology. Download the PDF worksheets that go with this masterclass and work through them with me as I guide you through the daily Ayurvedic rhythm and how you can apply this in the modern Western world, how to balance imbalances in your doshas, the Ayurvedic food elements that support women's health, and how you can connect with the fundamentals of each of your doshas, vata, pitta, and kapha. To learn more about this masterclass, head to Wellsome dot com forward slash shop that's w-e-l-l-s-o-m-e dot com forward slash shop and use the code cycle love to save 20% off hi thank you for having me Gemma I am excited about this topic because it's one of my personal favorites because I've been through it too um we're talking all about literally the cycle PCOS health being a woman um so tell us before we jump into all of this what day of your cycle are you on today and how are you checking in I'm on day five I'm feeling great because um as people who have PCOS know and you know I growing up had PCOS I should say maybe have because you never truly get rid of it right you manage it uh and you get back to regular cycles I couldn't ever imagine having regular periods. So every time I get it, it's actually a celebration more than anything else. So I'm feeling great. Um, And I think PCOS is a super important topic because it's the uh, most common hormonal dysregulation. So I'm excited to jump into it. 
I had PCOS myself growing up and it was just the scariest thing because, well, at first it wasn't very scary because my doctors just thought, oh, it's not a big deal. You know, it'll take you a while to calibrate. And then I never ended up calibrating. And then I got to the point where I heard horror stories about fertility and um, eventually I figured out what works for me after going to so many different practitioners, naturopaths, reading books. And I thought, you know, why not share this with the rest of the world? Because I feel like for a lot of people, it's a silent problem, something that they don't feel comfortable sharing, something they don't feel comfortable talking about. And so I started my um, Instagram page or blog. It's also a website, Facebook, everything, but mainly I'm on Instagram and TikTok and it's called NutriFemRx, where we basically talk about all things PCOS. I love that, especially after you mentioned that like PCOS is one of the, like the most common hormonal imbalances out there. Oh, absolutely. Um, tell us, uh, it's such a beautiful journey. Tell us about how you first found out you had PCOS because I know with the women that I connect with, a lot of them are like, oh, I think I've got this. And they do the whole like Google diagnostics and they're like, oh no, I'm pretty sure I've got endometriosis. And I'm like, you're pretty sure or you've been tested and you've confirmed that. So how did you go about the journey of PCOS and discovering that that's what you had? So it's funny you ask. Um, I didn't actually know until I studied it in school, in pharmacy school, well into my 20s. And my best friend who, you know, there's this myth that people who have PCOS are super overweight. So both uh, my best friend in school and she's still like one of my most amazing close friends and I, we both had regular periods. And one day I was talking to her about it and she said, you know, that's PCOS. And I started looking into it and then I really freaked out because the first thing I saw was troubles with fertility. And I think at that age, when you're thinking of where's my life gonna go, it really caused me to take a look at myself and say, oh my gosh, you know, I'm not gonna be able to get pregnant. So then, and that's why I think the reproductive system was my favorite subject because I could relate to it so much. For everyone else, it was so difficult to memorize all of the, like how everything works. And for me, it just totally made sense because I'm like, oh yeah, this is how I feel. This is how I feel when this happens. And this is how I feel when this happens. And, you know, I, I basically studied it based on how my body was reacting. So Beautiful. I actually learned about it in my doctorate program when I was studying the subject. And because I was talking to my best friend who had done her own research. Oh. Amazing. I feel like, what would you say to the women who go, oh, I feel a certain way and I think I've got this and then kind of just do all the research for it without actually knowing whether they've got it or not or got something or not. With, that's the same with anything in their health. Yeah. So number one, don't be Dr. Google because that's very scary. And, um, and I should also say that to myself, right? Because anytime any of us get anything, like just because just because I'm in healthcare doesn't mean I don't Google things myself sometimes and freak out from what I read. So totally, I put my hand up for that too. Oh yeah, we all do it. Okay, even even the people that say you shouldn't do it do it, but don't do it um, because you're going to end up getting all these. You know, you're going to get scared. What I would do is just say, okay, these are the symptoms that I have. Maybe you do a quick Google search and then you go into your doctor's office. Definitely don't skip your yearly um, physicals because I think a lot of things can actually be caught if your doctor's doing a thorough physical with your yearly physical. And just bring up these concerns and say, this is how I'm feeling. This is you know, what I'm thinking. The problem is that with women's hormone health, it's understudied. 
Uh, a lot of times people, even if they do have access to their regular doctor's uh, yearly checkups, they don't have that much time to talk about it with their doctor. And a lot of these physicians are not specialized in women's hormone health. So it might be brushed under the rug, which is why I love naturopaths. I think naturopaths are amazing. Um, and so if you live in a place where you have access to a naturopath, I would definitely say, go see one there's, and then I love the book period repair manual by Laura Bryden. So mm -hmm. if any of you guys are able to get your hands on that, it might answer some of your questions. If you have some lingering questions, you know, do I have this? Do I not? Um, I'm not saying it'll help you self-diagnose, but you'll have a better idea instead of just thinking you have the worst thing ever. I'm so glad you mentioned that because often you don't have the worst thing ever and you don't have X, Y, and Z that's going to lead to like a quick death, which is everything in Google seems to lead to the shadow in the dark hole. Um, but I will just, I will just add to that, that it's so important to get your checkups. Like I'm always talking about going every six to 12 months to get my bloods done and just kind of check up. And I'm very fortunate in Australia, you know, we can go to our local general practitioner, our local doctor and, you know, say, hey, can I get some blood work done? And we're able to get that done. We're very fortunate in our country. And it's such a great identifier of where you're at. And for me, when I got diagnosed with PCOS, I actually didn't have my period. I came off the contraceptive pill and then I was just like, why am I not menstruating? Why is there an alien in my body? What is going on? And that's when I went to the doctor for support. And this was kind of before you would Google what the problem was or what, like what was really wrong with your health. <laughs> Google, I didn't really use Google for that at that time. And yeah, I've discovered that I had PCOS. So when it comes to, to PCOS and your journey and your work, especially with all, all of your study in aging, right, which I think is such a beautiful angle, how does PCOS and those hormonal imbalances that contribute to PCOS challenge our long-term health? Not just our immediate health, but our long-term health. That's such a good question. You framed it so well. I do have to say, Gemma, that you're very lucky with your diagnosis. I think that's a very, very small minority that just goes mm -hmm. to the doctor and gets the diagnosis. Most people are just told that it's okay. You know, it's, it's, it's an underdiagnosed thing. So going back to how PCOS... Just, just on that, I will add that for years I had cysts. Mm -hmm. But I didn't really like no one connected because I was on the contraceptive pill that I still had cysts. Okay. And so they didn't realize, but it wasn't until I came off the pill that I was like, hang on, what's this, what's going on? And then we, we started, like, I didn't realize, but we explored all the different like types of tests and the ultrasounds. And that's when all the pictures of the puzzle kind of came together. And I was like, oh, I've got this. Yeah. So yeah, I agree that it's not always an easy journey. And if you feel that, you're not getting the answer that you need. That's intuition. So trust that and, and seek a second opinion or a third opinion or a 20th opinion mm -hmm. until you feel intuitively that, oh, actually, yeah, this person is supporting me and I'm feeling supported in this situation. Exactly. You really Back have to, to you. be your own advocate. And a lot of times access to health is, of course, a universal issue. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I'll also add that with PCOS, it's an umbrella term for so many different presentations, right? So some women have cysts, some don't. Some women have weight issues, some don't. Some women have hair growth, some don't. Um, some people, you know, um, will maybe have a period once every 
three months, six months, once some of them will have it once every three years, you know? So anyways, it presents really differently. So mm. it makes it that much harder to pinpoint. So glad you mentioned that because it's so, it's not like, oh, you have a tumor. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's not like that. Oh, you've got eczema. Yeah, we can see that. <laughs> um, so thanks for bringing that up. It's really important. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's not the easiest thing to diagnose. So um, back to your question, which I really liked, how does PCOS affect our overall health through over a lifetime, right? Over our lifespan, because it's not like one day we just wake up and we've aged. We're aging every second. We're aging right now, uh, which by the way, is actually a blessing, not a bad thing, because the alternative to aging is not being able to age and not being here. So it's something that we should look at with a lot of gratitude. Um, So when we look at PCOS, it's actually, when I say it's an umbrella term, the reason it's an umbrella term is because there are underlying factors that cause our bodies to present with PCOS, right? So the most common underlying factors are insulin resistance or glucose um, dysregulation. Uh, chronic inflammation in the body, adrenal fatigue, so high levels of cortisol, thyroid um, level dysfunction, right? So where our thyroid is too much, too little. So those four things and more, but let's just focus on those four, are not only going to present as PCOS. Over a lifetime, they can present in other ways. For example, if for, for long periods of time, a person has insulin resistance or chronic inflammation that could present as, for example, um, inflammation can present with, like you mentioned, eczema, right? So we can, people usually, or irritable bowel syndrome. So those are things that will also present. So the underlying condition is inflammation. And then the presentation is things like polycystic ovarian syndrome, eczema, irritable bowel syndrome. And a good point on that is like, if you recognize that you have eczema, you generally just treat the eczema. Right. And go, oh, I've got eczema. I should, I should probably just put some cream on that or like change my diet a little bit just to suit the eczema. When in fact, like you what you're saying for the underlying cause with, for people to recognize is that there's actually much something much deeper going on. And this surface thing is just a sign that, the, hang on, there's a root to that. Exactly. I actually had eczema. So for me, if I have a flare, that means I have not been taking care of myself. So I don't mm. like putting medicine on things because your body is talking to you. And if you put medicine on it, you're shutting it up. Now that's not always the case. Of course, like medicine, modern medicine um, is something that I truly believe in. And there are a lot of things for which it's great, but for something that's a slight dis- inconvenience, it's actually something that's teaching you something, right? Of course, it depends how bad the eczema is. If it's super severe, then there's something that should be done about it. So another, so that's with the chronic inflammation. The second possible underlying concern is, for example, insulin resistance. So insulin resistance can present as diabetes later in life. Insulin resistance can present, um, honestly, with just about anything because having too much sugar in the body has been shown to have uh, downward effects that can basically be any kind of presentation. You know, there's even thought that people who have chronic um, insulin resistance might be more likely to have certain memory loss. 
So we're still, you know, I think we're now at the point in medicine when we're realizing, oh, whoa, these organs are not totally independent of one another. This symptom is not totally independent of the other. These, these things all work together. And so if we don't tr treat the root cause now, then later down the line, it's just going to pop up in a different form. Totally. I'm so glad you mentioned that. It's like the way that I think of it, Anna, is it's like an ecosystem. And the analogy I always share is that it's like a grandfather clock. You know, imagine if you opened, you know, the clock door and you're looking in your torso and all the wheels are like spinning wheels, you know, on a bike, like a cog. And if one cog's out and that represents one system, it's going to eventually over time throughout the other systems. And then all of a sudden you're like, what is wrong with my body? Three systems are out of place and I have an autoimmune disease. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one of my favorite professors in, in pharmacy school said, used to teach the pulmonary class. And he would always say, the lazy heart just gave in and dumped it all on the poor lungs. Because eventually what happens is one system dumps it on the other, the other dumps it on the other. So absolutely, absolutely. Mm, so important to know. That's such a great explanation of the underlying factors. Um, let's talk about... I want to dive into so many topics right now. The aging process and sugar. Okay. Is it true that sugar ultimately, when we're talking about unnatural sugars, so I'm not talking about like eating a banana or having a nice mango or enjoying some berries. I'm talking about processed sugars. Is it true that that can speed the aging process up or like, like speed it up a bit? So here's the thing. A lot of the research when it comes to aging is very like, um, not anecdotal, there is research, but it's done in a retrospective type of manner, right? So um, it's not like we could do a double blind placebo controlled trial of how sugar affects the aging process. Like that's not going to really be possible. Mm. But what we do do is we do studies on caloric restriction. We do studies on certain diets and how that affects the aging process. So uh, in a nutshell, I could say sugar is definitely not good for the aging process. Now, whether that's because it causes certain conditions and that causes people to not live as long or whether we're actually having like telomerase um, becoming shorter quicker. No, I don't know, right? We don't know like what exactly is happening in the body, but sugar is not exactly your best friend. I always call it your, like, I always say sugar is the frenemy. It's the friend <laughs> or hate to love. Yep. I love that. That's such a good point. Um, so what are the core things that you would say that contribute in, in our lives today to speeding up the aging process? Ooh. Okay. I think nutrition um, is a really big one. Um, so getting the right kind of nutrition and, you know, there are books written on this. There are books rewritten on this. There are theories written on it. Um, right now, I would say there's this consensus of, you know, we have certain blue zones, right? We have certain parts of the world where people end up living longer. So when we look at them, we realize there's a certain characteristic of their diet, of their lifestyle. They're not eating a lot of processed carbohydrates, they're eating a lot more of a pescatarian type of diet, a lot of healthy fats, a lot of greens, a lot of vegetables. So definitely diet um, and eating things that are refined makes a huge difference. Um, I think stress, because stress is, um, 
there's a lot of studies actually done on uh, meditation and how meditation it can possibly slow down that process, right? Um, and, and we believe it's because stress eventually just ages people. And it, these are things that, you know, anything that I'm talking about, it's really hard to say, oh, you know what, here's that study for it. Because again, when we're studying a medication, like when Pfizer or whatever drug company comes up with a drug, they do a double blind placebo control trial. And they pay a lot of money to bring people into a facility, give them the drug, and then compare them to the people that didn't have the drug. And of course, that's the best kind of research you can do. And that's feasible when you're giving somebody a drug. But when we're looking at people's lives over a lifespan, it's not easy for us to put people into a room and observe them, right? People have to go on and live their lives. You so can't run a Truman show and, and monitor them for their whole lives. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> that's kind of what I'm saying. Um, but, you know, there are so many studies done, like human relationships, um, good human relationships. There's a really famous study done on um, people who have good marriages and how that, where they feel satisfied in their marriage and how that can actually add to their lifespan. Wow. So it's, it's a combination of just a lot of different things. I would say stress, food, um, sleep. sleep. Yeah, I was going to say, would sleep come into that? Sleep. And sleep is also something, first of all, we almost know nothing about, you know, it's like a phenomenon for us. Uh, but I mean, I'm sure all of you can attest to you don't sleep one night and you're mostly, it's almost like the color of your skin is different the next day. So I, notice inf- I notice inflammation if I have a, a, oh, yeah. a disturbed sleep or a shorter sleep. Like I went to um, like a, a, an event the other night and I definitely noticed the next day I was like, oh, yep, my tongue's a little bit swollen this morning because I scrape my tongue every day. So I'm very aware like it's swollen tongue, swollen inner body is <laughs> the first thing that I notice. Um, they're such great points because I, and I asked that question because it goes to show that a lot of people think, oh, I'm aging because of this one thing. But it's a, it's a collaborative effect of multiple contributing factors. Exactly. Um, and here's the thing. Aging is not necessarily a bad thing. We want to age mm-hmm. well. We're, we can't stop this train. You know, and we don't even want to because stopping the train means you're not living anymore. Right? Exactly. So, but we want to do it in a way where we're, it's healthy aging. We're not, we're not waiting for the inevitable, which is disease. We're doing it in a way where we're preventing disease. We're living the best life possible. And we're trying to preserve the body for as long as possible. Mm. Now I am going to ask you a question about things we can do to support the aging process. But before we go there, I want to jump back to hormonal imbalances because you mentioned that PCOS is like one of the most common hormonal imbalances. If not the most common. Yeah. And so I'm feeling that any hormonal imbalance that's a continual imbalance leads to speeding up the aging process or contributing to that in some way, shape or form. In How important is it for us to have balanced hormones regardless of whether we're going through our menstrual years or we're going into menopause or after menopause? Like how important are are hormones in balance for health? I can't stress how important they are. Even if we're not looking at, like, forget the aging process, right? Let's say we're all aging, whatever. But 
hormones have a very direct um, association with, especially for women, your mood, your energy levels, your sex drive. I mean, pretty much everything. So how important are they vary? Because if you want to have a good life, you got to have well-balanced hormones. And then if you continually don't have well-balanced hormones and you have these negative side effects of not having well-balanced hormones, then yes, you're not going to age very well. Mm. So, you know, aging is um, not exactly like this. It's almost like it's just a part of life, you know? So like I said, like we don't wake up one day and we've aged. It's do you want to live the next 10, 15 years unwell? I love that. I like to call aging, like I'm age, I, I always say I'm aging backwards. So recently I turned 34 and mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I'm aging backwards, like, or aging down. Yeah. My earth suit is aging, but mm-hmm. I get to choose like my own age. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my physical age can change, even though I'm like, my birth age is always changing. Absolutely. There's a really famous quote uh, by Picasso and he says, it takes a really long time to become young. Because the idea is that, yes, our physical body ages, but, um, and for any of you guys who are, you know, spiritual, it's this idea of going into your child self and living your life from that place. So, yeah, I really like, I I really like that concept, you know? Uh, but having said that, there's a lot of wisdom that comes with age that really can't come any other way. You mean, you have to live, you know, even, I don't know about all of you, but every year I get older, I think, oh, I wish I knew that last year. And I thought it would end at one point, right? You, there, there's this magic number, like you hit 30 and now you know enough where you're not learning as much. No, every year <laughs> you look back and you're like, wow, how much I've learned, how much I've grown and how much more wise I am. And the idea, like, sometimes I just get so excited of thinking of myself as an older person, because I think, imagine how much more I'm going to know about this life. Mm, It's so true. Like the journey, the learning journey never ends and your body's never going to stop communicating with you whilst you're alive because it's there to kind of inform you of like, Hey, this is going on on the inside. I have to interrupt this episode to let you know that today is sponsored by my five-day Love Your Cycle mini course. This is a self-paced course to teach you the foundations and fundamentals of your menstrual cycle in less than a week. If you are a woman looking to rediscover your cycle, reconnect with your feminine in a new way, understand your cycle science and what they mean, this is the mini course for you. Receive daily educational class videos and audios, along with action steps, cycle tracking guides, cycle prompts, and the Love Your Cycle 50-page ebook and audiobook. This is your chance to discover the things that you wish you had have been taught about your cycle at school, how to eat, how to move, honoring your emotions, and identifying PMS and cycle science before they arise. It's your turn to join thousands of women from all over the world who have already taken this course to reclaiming and reconnecting with their bodies. And you can do this too for less than a fancy vegan burger in under a week. To learn more, head to wellsome.com forward slash shop. That's W-E-L-L-S-O-M-E.com forward slash shop. And use the code CYCLELOVE to save 20% off. Um, So what are some really great things we can do for better hormonal health? 
you know, if someone's listening to this and they're like, okay, you just mentioned that hormone, like hormones out of whack can mean moods out of whack, energy out of whack and sex drive out of whack and lots of other things too. That's just like a really brief overview. If they're, if you guys are listening to this and you're like, oh my God, what do I do to like have better hormone health? What are some great places to start for better hormone health and what can we do? Um, the biggest one for me is diet, exercise, sleep management, sleep. And if well-informed, there are certain supplements that can also help. Mm. Um, but I would say a lot of it comes down to diet and stress management and exercise helps with the stress management, but it also keeps your body going. Um, so now the question is, okay, then what do I eat? Right? Because everywhere you turn, people are telling you to do different things. One person is telling you to eat keto. One person is telling you to avoid this food. One person is telling you to avoid that food. And what's even scarier is that these food trends change all the time, you know? So it was this whole thing of like, do keto. Now it's like, no, women can't do keto, you know? Uh, keto is not necessarily good for women because uh, it might put them into starvation mode. And when women go into starvation mode, their bodies are less likely to menstruate. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. But now we have to rethink that. Then, um, you know, we have all these like superfoods that come out, like it was acai and then, you know, <laughs> I remember the acai trend. Yeah. So first of all, there is no magical superfood. I would say if I had to describe the diet that you could do, or you can keep forever, you know, this is not something that you do for three months or whatever. It's a lot a of lifelong, a lifelong. Yes. This is a implementation. Life um, a lot of vegetables, dark leafy greens. Um, I try to have them at every meal. Um, healthy fats. Um, for proteins, lean healthy proteins, um, ideally organic if you can get them. And reduce the sugar intake. Fake sugar is bad. Fake sugar is really bad. Um, high in fiber. So I would look at, I would look at the diets of the blue zones of the world and I would look for similarities between them because there really are a lot of similarities. And depending on where you're, where you're at in the world and what kind of diet you're accustomed to eating, I would find something that works within that, with, with, you know, from all of those blue zones. But basically all of them have these things in common. They're very vegetable rich, um, good fat rich, low in refined carbohydrates, Lean proteins. Lean proteins, yeah. They're not eating, mm. you know, super, super fatty, like processed sausages. <laughs> um, You're spot on. I actually think something to do with, with the diet of blue zones is that it's not just the food they're eating, it's how they're eating. Mm -hmm. I really feel that those communities are very well connected. And like you mentioned about relationships with marriage and how like if you have a good marriage and a good relationship in that way, that, that can actually contribute to, you know, great long-term health yeah. is that, you know, the relationship you have with everything, not just people, but including the way that you eat your food contributes to the importance of the food you're eating. Oh, absolutely. Sitting on your couch alone, eating kale, although that's super healthy, <laughs> you know, um, there's something to be said about sitting around a table, making mealtime a real time, you know? Mm, I love that. 
in our culture of this what like at least in the states there's this western culture of go 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 and then you know we get together and we're like you know what i had for lunch i had a protein bar in my car can you believe it because i work so hard i work so much how is that a great thing that mm -hmm. we celebrate I, guess I know and i guess it kind of comes back to your values too mm-hmm you know, I'd rather make less money and have better connection time than to make lots of money and have less connection time. But who says you have to work really, really hard to make lots of money? Right. So there's all these like twists and turns to it, right? Yeah, no, for sure. It's not necessarily a direct trade-off. Uh, you know, I could talk hours about finding what you're really good at and giving that to the world and being rewarded for it and there's so many people that have written amazing books about it so i'm definitely not the expert but you know there's this idea of honing in on your own personal skills giving yourself time to intuitively know what those are giving those gifts to the world and in turn becoming um thanked for them you know by mm. But having said that, if, if one does have a traditional job where they wake up and they go and they work the 40 hours a week, um, you know, maybe it can be something as small as actually taking your lunch or having those family dinners. You know, growing up, my dad used to real and still to this day, uh, family dinners are a big deal. They have to happen. And it's not so much about the food. It's just about coming together seeing each other and um i think it really makes a really big difference you just feel so good afterwards i agree i totally agree and i'm sure there's some people listening to this who are a bit envious of like god i wish our family could get together like that you get to choose your family too so if you're having a a, a blood related family that you want to go and spend a dinner with every week two weeks every month get your friend family together your chosen family and, you know, make that a thing. So I think regardless of where you are, everyone has an opportunity to do that. And it's such an important thing like that, you know, brings forward rich relationships and a rich life is full of good relationships and good community. And, Absolutely. Mm, mm, I love that. Um, yeah, everything you mentioned about making meal time like a real time, I love that note, like so good. Um, I was going to ask the question, Anna, about what's the best way to support yourself for healthy aging, but I kind of feel like the same things apply from the hormones to this question. Is that right? I would say so. I think in general health, you know, all the same things kind of apply. Mm. Um, it, there is no magic pill we can take for healthy aging, just like there's no magic pill we can take for healthy hormones, just like there's no magic pill we could take for a healthy body. I think, you know, over, when we when we say like, oh, this person has been like autoimmune disease, right? This is like a great example. So there are so many different autoimmune diseases, but guess what? At the end of the day, when we're looking at it from a pharmaceutical point of view, or when we're looking at it from a natural holistic type of approach, the medicines, are, even though they might not be the exact same medicine, they're kind of working in the same way. They're in the same class. And the natural approaches to the treatment or the reversal as much as possible are also kind of similar. Okay. And that's mm -hmm. because we're just trying to get the body back into homeostasis, back into balance, 
So the goal of healthy aging and the goal of hormone health and the goal of all general health is bringing the body, body back to balance, bringing the body back to homeostasis. And that is not only through food, it's through food, stress, sleep, exercise, all the things that our body really needs. You're spot on. And something I'll add into there after studying Indian medicine is that that philosophy about just being in balance has been around for centuries. And it just goes to show that, you know, it's, it's a theory that can be applied in all aspects and all places around the world. And I always say, Anna, that, you know, anything that occurs in your body, like whether it's a headache or eczema or it's PCOS or it is an autoimmune imbalance, it's just your body is in balance. So you just need to work out how to bring it back to balance. Don't make it complicated. Mm -hmm. Just think, okay, my body's in balance right now. How do I bring it back into balance? Um, so I just love, I just love that, that in that you shared that. So thank you so much. Um, if you could go back to your younger self and ask yourself the question, like give your younger self, you know, guidance on like how to care for your body long-term, you know, what would you like, what are five things you would, you would tell your younger self? What a good question. Uh, I would say you need to focus less on your looks and more on how your body feels. Good I would say do not do the binging. And then because what I used to do is I used to like binge eat and then not eat for a few days or in college when we would drink alcohol, you know, I don't, I don't think our bodies are made for that. So I would definitely say, you know, the key to it is a lot of balance. On a more kind of psychosocial front, I would tell myself that, you know, um, you're going to be okay. Like, you're not going to have all of these issues that you think you're going to have. So just, just be healthy and don't worry too much about it. Five things. I have to tell myself five things. <laughs> I can only get up to three. That's okay. I actually feel too that, like, if I think back to myself when I was younger when I was 18 my mum brought me this book and it was called gorgeous skin in 30 days I still have it and I have read the book front to cover like front to back front cover to back cover and but I didn't read it straight away mm-hmm. I was like mom I don't really need to read I'm 18 I don't need to read this book about aging beautifully and having glorious skin look at me <laughs> and it wasn't until I was packing up from a partner's house and moving out that I was packing all these books into these boxes and I was like oh, I don't want to put that in storage I might read that now mm-hmm. and so I was like 23 at the time and I was like wow and that was the point in my life where I actually threw all of my products out like everything that was in a pack and I started making everything from body wash to shampoo to like moisturizer to conditioner, like everything, because I was like, um, I need to really get back to nature. Like this is, this is really good stuff for your health. My flatmate at the time didn't like the fact there was ants everywhere in the bathroom, but it was very, very good learning for me. But there's, I'm sure lots of women, and I know there's a lot of a younger group of women in our community that listen to this, like this podcast that are probably thinking I'm young. I don't need to worry about aging. (laughs) What would you say to them in that thought? I don't think anybody needs to worry about aging. You know, I think, again, um, I think it's something to absolutely just embrace. And it's unfortunate that society hasn't caught up to that concept. But again, the alternative is death. 
So, you know, it's actually a gift every second of every day. So I don't think anybody needs to worry about aging. Now, does everybody, should everybody prioritize their overall health and balance and well-being? Yes, and that will in turn um, benefit the aging process, right? Mm -hmm. Because we're, we're given one body and that has to come with us from the beginning all the way through the end. And we're all given different genes, right, you know? And so the genetic component of it, you're stuck with it. You have it, you know, whatever. Your legs are shaped a certain way. Your, <laughs> you know, your weight. Your boobs and your boobs. Exactly. Your whatever ratios are what, what they are, you know. But it's not so much about that. You know, I think a lot of it is, okay, great. This is what I've been given how do I find gratitude for it? And how do I preserve it for the rest of my life? Good and preserve it in a sense that treat it well. You know, if you have a car, you want to treat it well, if, you know, basically just give it the best feel possible. So you want to do the same thing with your body. And, and the aging well thing will come. You know, I think, I, I think, um, uh, aging is this thing where people think like we're going to anti-age or we're going to do something to prevent it. You can't prevent it. I mean, yeah. it's nature. You can't prevent it. You can only find gratitude for it and you can support it. And the way you support it is the way you support your overall health. Totally. Totally. And I feel like a lot of industry is a, there's a quite a big industry and we'll just call it the, the beauty industry, um, really targets fear and worry around ageing and how important it is to anti-age. Um, so I love that you brought that up. So thank you for sharing. No, absolutely. I mean, here's the thing, right? Biologically, we have this point where there's, there's like that sweet spot that people believe is in your 20s where your skin looks the best, your like you know for people's bodies just naturally kind of are at the most fertile you know let's not take away biology you know i'm not sitting here and telling you that all of this stuff doesn't really exist and you know you, you're gonna feel just as good when you wake up when you're in your 70s as you did in your 20s no you're going to wake up and certain things are not going to function maybe as well as they were before. What I am saying though, is that we just embrace whatever age that we're at. And I think uh, when you focus more on the, on the inside of your body, the outside just doesn't become a priority. Now, a lot of it, yes, um, it is against industry. It is against what you're being fed. Um, but, you know, I think if we just remind ourselves that this, there is money to be made from this concept, right? Mm. So the concept of biological aging has been taken and it's been monetized and you're paying for it in many ways. So you're paying for it psychologically because you're seeing it all over social media, magazines, what have you. And you're also paying it if you're buying the products, right? Monetarily. Um, so to separate yourself from that and really just say, I don't care. I think, you know, it's all about what's inside. Um, it's an inside job. 
you know it's it not totally you, is. you can't buy a cream <laughs> it, to- it totally is um i could literally not agree with you anymore i recently just had eight inches of my hair cut off and i went in and the lady's like oh do you want me to like cover your grades and i was like no not really and i only get my hair done once every two years so like it's very rare for me to get my hair done and she's like okay yeah it It all blends in and she meant that honestly it really does kind of blend in with my color of my hair right but what that's just one aspect of the industry about aging is like everybody ages and does get gray hair at some stage and it's interesting because it's acceptable for men to be like foxy and gray, but for women, it's kind of, it's, there's a big turning point I believe happening in the beauty industry around this now, like gray is kind of cool, but it's interesting how it's taken time for people to adjust to having gray hair. And as a woman, I actually feel that that's a sign of my development, a sign of my growth and a sign of, yeah, I am aging, but I can decide how my appearance ages based on how I treat my body. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. And I, I really, I, I give you so much credit because you've done a lot of work on yourself mm, like in a within yourself to yeah. come to that conclusion. And, you know, I, I work in this field and yet sometimes I'm even tempted, like I'll sit around with my girlfriends and somebody might say, Hey, I did this thing. I look great. And a part of me will be like, Oh, I should try it out. And then I kind of like bounce back and I'm like, wait a minute. Hello. You're, you're the vortex is sucking you in. Yeah. 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 But it's super easy, right? Because we all want to be loved and we all want to be accepted. And we've been told that it's contingent upon our looks especially as women and this is an anthropo like this is this is a discussion that we can go on and on and on about <laughs> it is know, yeah there are entire majors at universities people get degrees and doctorates on this um but you know um a lot of a lot of life is what you make of it and a lot of aging is what you make of it and a lot of your looks are truly what you make of it and what you about it such a beautiful point I think we could kind of wrap up on that because we're almost out of time and it just goes to show that everyone is so different and has a different belief and you know construction around this but ultimately it's how you feel in your body that's the most important and working on that is 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 vitally important for for all of your health And, and I just love this conversation I do have one final question for you this is a podcast question I ask all guests Um, so we're switching gears a little bit I want to draw this back into um, our menstrual cycle but tell us what are three tips that you wish you could give to your younger menstruating self so three things you now know about your menstrual cycle that you wish you had have known when you got your first period well, I remember, I actually remember getting my last first period and I just was like, why does my stomach hurt so bad? Um, and then finally I checked it out. So I would say number one, if you're having uncomfortable symptoms, um, don't cover it up with an Advil because it's your body talking to you. Number two, I would say that it's one of the most beautiful things in the world you know it's what makes women women 
Um, and so kind of like try to understand where the cycle is coming from. And number three, I read this somewhere and I don't remember where um, years ago and I wish I could go back to it. But basically I read this thing that said that the week before your period, when a lot of women are pretty reflective and for some people at the very extreme, they feel very stressed and irritable. It's this idea that women um, put their emotions down and that week, it's almost like your body kind of like combusts. Like it just doesn't let you push your emotions down anymore. And you just feel everything at, at, on a very like extreme level. And the idea is that you should pay attention to what you're feeling that month, because if there's anything that you've ignored, it's going to come out. And mm. I wish I could remember where I read it. I can't remember where I read it, but it's been a concept that I find, I wish I knew earlier because now I really pay attention that week and I try to journal. What was it that was irritating to me? Um, I'm not, I, I do believe that there's a certain level after which like you should not be debilitatingly like, you know, stressed and concerned, but there are certain things that will come up and just to be aware of them. Mm. I love that. That's a really great point, especially the last one. Not enough women are super con like are connected enough to be able to do a stock take of like, hang on, how do I felt? Like what's coming up for me? Why is this coming up for me? Do I need to let this go? Do I need to welcome this in? Um, so that's beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today and sharing all that you have. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed it and I'm sure our listeners have too. Thank you so much for having me, Gemma. This was really, really fun. Thank you so much for tuning in to every episode of the Well Women podcast. I trust you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. If you got a lot out of it too, please subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes or your podcast app. This means together we can inspire, connect and educate even more women. Now, is there a bestie, a sister or a friend who you know may be frustrated and confused with their health? Are they ready to discover new aspects of themselves too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your social media, email it, text it or any way you need to get it to their ears. So together we can all live in flow, harmony and balance with our bodies. And be sure to tag me in it too. Hashtag Well Women Podcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body and remember, body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle.